everybody. It's nice to see you guys. Uh, if you'd all stand up with us, we're going to open with a few songs of worship.
Heavenly Father, we just praise you in this place. We thank you um, for the good things you do for us, um, often not deserving on our part. We just ask that you be in this place. Uh, you would be speaking to us, and we would be listening, and uh, we lift you up in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey there. You can have a seat. My name's Pip. I'm one of the pastors here. Very nice to see all of you. Uh, and happy to have all those you're watching on live stream. You know, you probably can't see this on live stream. Some of you may be able to see, but for Thanksgiving, my little boy decided to give me a headbutt right to the eye. Very nice shiner. I'm very proud of him. Uh, he's the cutest shiner I've ever received. Uh, so, just a quick few announcements before we get into things. Again, really happy to have you guys. Uh, as you may or may not have heard, uh, right before Thanksgiving, the governor actually surprisingly uh, announced that we can now hold faith gatherings of up to 100. So we were restricted to 25, but now we can hold up to 100. So starting next week, we're going to have one service at 10 a.m. of 100 people. Registrations be up on the website this afternoon. Anybody can, can register, so just head there and click the link. Uh, and I just encourage all of you, we encourage all of you to continue to connect with other Christians, with church, church community, with your community groups. We have some community groups that are meeting online, but just as many ways as you can reach out in a time of isolation to reach out to others. And for any questions, uh, also if you want to subscribe to our newsletter, you can just head to doorofhopepdx.org, which is where the sign-up will be as well. 
For today's gathering, just a few quick house rules. We're going to have the bathroom and the rotundas open just there to the left. We've also got, uh, there's a giving box by, back there if you'd like to support the church's ministry. Uh, if you're online or just when you use your phone, you can head to PushPay and find directions on giving there or head to the website and click Give. And just heads up, as you're all aware, we're just asking everybody who's not on stage to wear, wear face, uh, face masks and practice social distancing. Lastly, we are hosting a community blood drive in support uh, with the American Red Cross on Wednesday, December 2nd, so that's this Wednesday from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. right here. And it's actually in support of a lovely family from our church, the Quarles. Uh, their little boy, Josiah, has been bravely battering, battling cancer for over a year now. And this is just in some small way, this blood drive is just a picture of our church's love for them and appreciation and support. And we've just been really amazed by how the family is handling these these heartbreaking challenges, the Lord is like clearly at work in their lives. We're really grateful for them. Even in the, in the midst of this, we just, yeah, very grateful for them. Uh, if you aren't able to donate, there are actually some other opportunities to get involved. So for all the details on that, just head to doorofhopepdx.org and you can click events and I'll be right up there on the events page. And with that, I will invite up Russ Lacey who will be giving the sermon today. So really good to see all of you. Got to get that started so I don't go too long. Those of you that know me uh, well know that I generally don't have a struggle with having enough to say. I struggle with sh shutting up. So I will do my best. I'm going to keep, I've got like a 30 minute timer here. So I'm going to go with that. Uh, and when I get there, then I'll start winding down. Okay. Uh, I found out right before I came up here, uh, being back in the green room, uh, what we call uh, our uh, area where we gather as staff, uh, back by Josh's office, I found out from Wesley that today is actually called Black Sabbath. Were you all aware of that? Had you ever heard that? I didn't get a chance, I didn't have the time to figure out what that exactly means, where that comes from, if it's something new, but it, what it did remind me of is that we are in the midst right now of what we call the holidays, the holy days. And so even though we might not think of it that way, we start with Halloween, all the Hall, all Halloween, we go, go through Thanksgiving, uh, we move into Advent, we move into Christmas. Uh, and so we in the Western, in our Western culture, uh, we are on the same pace we're always on. We've made it through the first two. We've gone through Black Friday, which was not normal. Uh, we've hit now Black Sabbath, I just found out. But our focus is where? It's already on Christmas. How many of you got a Christmas tree uh, by now? Raise your hand if you did. About half. Uh, how many of you have put out outside lights yet? Raise your hand. Not as many. Actually, my neighbor, I saw that back there. My neighbors just up and down the block, I don't know if it was herd mentality or what, uh, but somebody started and yesterday it feel, felt like everybody was out. So our, our little smattering of lots on our front porch, they're now our, out. We got a Christmas tree that is um, actually the smallest Christmas tree we've ever got. It stands about this tall, so Cheryl, found a basket to set it up on so it looks taller 
and we're kind of digging it. I mean, it's really, it's, it's nice. But the point is, we're going. Our focus is going towards Christmas. I want us to stop and take just a moment to look back. Yeah, Thanksgiving just happened. I don't know how yours was. Again, in this, this world we're living in now, everything seems a bit strange, but I don't know about you. Ours, in context, was, was really fairly normal. We had Cheryl and I and our uh, son, John, that lives with us, and then our daughter, uh, Brittany, and her husband, Zach, and our two grandkids, Claire and Caleb. Uh, we had them over, and we did... We smoked a turkey all day Thursday. Uh, we enjoyed it that evening, that afternoon. We were together about eight, ten hours. Uh, the next day, we went over to their house. We went out together, uh, which was Friday, and got trees. And then we went back to their house uh, late in the afternoon and had leftovers. How many of you have eaten leftovers yet? Yeah, a few. Uh, so one of the things that I noticed uh, has been the case for a while, and I just wanted to check see if this is, has resonated with you yet. I cannot eat as much as I used to. When I was a teenager, I remember actually making a, a, a contest out of how much food you could get on a plate, how big a pile without it falling over. And as a teenager, I would eat that, and then I would go back and eat another. And now, if I get one tablespoon of each one of the things that made up our meal, I'm stuffed. I can't hardly move. And it feels like, where did this come from? How did this change come about? Well, part of it's getting older, uh, metabolism. Uh, but at the end of the day, it made me aware that things do change, and this year has been different in ways I know for you uh, maybe more so than for us I will tell you we did experience change because of the current situation uh, personally we, we had a uh, niece of Cheryl's uh, and her family that were here temporarily in Vancouver uh, and we had planned to have them come and join us for Thanksgiving Day and because of all that we're going through we ended up not doing that. We had them come over at a different time, uh, but it, it, that felt odd. Uh, growing up in a, in a place and in, in a context of huge family gatherings, uh, it feels odd to have told someone, let's not do this now, let's do it differently. So it is different, and I would realize it's different, but what I wanna do is for us to take just a little bit of time uh, first of all, look at the context of Thanksgiving as we understand it in, in Western culture, uh, but then also to look at the biblical um, concept of Thanksgiving, how it's portrayed, and what we're really going to want to do is, we, we're, what we're going to try to do this morning is to rethink the concept of Thanksgiving uh, from a biblical lens, and then to re-energize the practice personally and in community, in our community life. So I think up here somewhere, we're going to get a verse that will pop up here. We're going to springboard and we'll finish up with Psalms 105, 105 verse 1, oh give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, 
make known his deeds among the peoples. Did it get up there? Yeah. And then just a couple of quotes as I, as I was looking through at people that I admire and what they think of the concept of Thanksgiving outside of what we're talking about, which is a, a cultural holiday, very secularized. Uh, I came ac- across a couple that resonated. G.K. Chesterton, uh, Chesterton, who I, I really enjoy, said, I would maintain that thanks are the highest form of thought and that gratitude is happiness doubled by wonder. Harry Ironside said it this way, we would worry less if we praised more. Thanksgiving is the enemy of discontent and dissatisfaction. As I looked at this and and looked at quotes, and then I began to look through the Bible and think about what is it I'd like us to spend our time on this morning, uh, I I was continually brought back to the realization that thanks and thanksgiving, as we find it in the Bible, uh, is far removed from the way we think of thanks and thanksgiving in our current situation, our current uh, cultural context. Uh, In the Bible, in the ESV, thanks or thanksgiving appears over 130 times, uh, over 40 times in the Psalms, and I didn't get to every one of them, but I feel comfortable in saying, There is not a single point in the Bible where thanks or thanksgiving occurs that is in a horizontal posture, which is in, I'm thanking you for this. Uh, I'm thanking Wes for telling me about Black Sabbath, that I didn't know about it. Thank you, Wes, for what you did. That is not the context of the Bible. In the Bible, the context of thanks and thanksgiving is always pointed vertically. It's pointed to God. Now, there may be thanksgiving for something that someone did, but by and large, it's thanksgiving combined with praise to look and thank God for who he is, what he is, what he does, uh, and ultimately what his plan is for for us as human beings. And so it, it is different, but why, how did it get so different? I want to take just a moment, and I won't be long with this, but just the Western context of, of, and, and concept of Thanksgiving uh, is, for us as Americans, uh, it's an American tr- tradition. Uh, it's been a distinctive feature of Amer- American culture since the very first Thanksgiving meal. And does anybody remember when? I doubt it, 1621, but how many of you learned in school that there was a feast then? There was the Wanapah Indians and the colonial, uh, the first settlers, and they came together, right? And they had a meal, and some would say that's not good history, but it's what I learned. And so way back in 1621 on this continent, there was a vertical uh, prayer of thanksgiving lifted up to God for what he had done. Uh, Then we move beyond that. We come into uh, the proclamation of a national holiday by President Lincoln in 1861. If you get out your history books, the date's right. Uh, And up through present days, it's now a national holiday. We get time off. Generally, we love this holiday because we get the day before 
off as well because it always comes on Thursday, uh, which gives us a four-day, five-day weekend, whatever. So it's, it's beloved in that context. Uh, but in that time, uh, when Abraham Lincoln made the proclamation, he made this statement, uh, which I think pulls back and gives a sense of where from 1621 to 1861, what was the thought process of thanksgiving? And he said, offering thanks in the midst of tragedy is an American tradition, even during a bloody civil war. That was his concept of thanksgiving, even in the midst of all that they were going through. Uh, we're, we're deeply steeped in this notion of thanksgiving to God in our, in our society, in our history, but we've moved away from that to an emphasis on a generic attitude of gratitude. Have, have you heard that? Uh, it, you need to have an attitude of gratitude, uh, really in that with little or no acknowledgement to God. It's just a generic vibe, good feeling. Uh, this really kicked off the shift, kicked off. We can look at it from a historical, uh, historical uh, point in time in a theological realm. Not the culture out there, but us, uh, the way we as professed believers believe. In 1965, in the Times uh, magazine, there was an article called God is Dead. And if you're old enough, you might remember it. I doubt it. Most of you are not my age, and I would barely remember it because I would have been a young boy at that time. But I remember the aftermath, and I remember the concept that, man, God is now being looked at as not engaged, not present, maybe does not exist. And this all came out of theological circles not out of the influx of society. And the result of that is that it, it, it just colored everything. And so just a couple of examples of what things are like now in this area of attitude, an attitude of gratitude. Uh, there's a group called Lifehack online uh, that's a self-improvement uh, university. Uh, it's a great example of this. Uh, from their website, uh, we see, and this comes straight from their website, at Lifehack, we have helped millions of readers get to the root of their own life's purposes by taking the complicated and breaking it down with a simple process. This is a place where you can find answers to all the questions in your life, answers that will actually help you overcome any limitations that are keeping you from your goals. Published in Lifehack in April of this year was uh, an article by Ashley Elizabeth, who's a resilience mastery coach and a motivational speaker. She has a master's degree in psychology with a specialty in radical resilience uh, in her one-to-one -one coaching word work. In her words, she teaches BS-free skills and strategies from how to transform pain into power. Uh, she has this dance group called Unleash uh, that empowers women to move with their mess and heal their trauma. And she would have these words, there is one way to make sure that you wake up every single day feeling calm, joyful, and blessed out. And that is to adopt an attitude of gratitude. When you make a conscious habit, to express appreciation for your life, 
the universe listens and responds with more love. Let me be clear. That doesn't mean that you're a bad person if you're not able to see the good on a bad day. Life is far from perfect. Sometimes things happen that cause us to react negatively. But having a pity party is okay now and then, but it does nothing good for your mental and emotional well-being. So an attitude of gratitude forces you to get outside of your problems and look at the bigger picture. In turn, you are better able to bounce forward when challenges occur in life. So this whole idea is an attitude of gratitude can change who you are. And in fact, even in, in that same uh, life hack, uh, there was an article uh, that had to do, I believe it was in 2014, actually it's in Forbes, and an Amy Moran listed seven scientifically proven benefits of gratitude that will motivate you to give thanks, generic thanks. Gratitude opens the door to more relationships. It improves psychological health. It improves psychological, uh, physiological health. It enhances empathy reduces aggression, grateful people sleep better, gratitude improves self-esteem. That's where we live. The attitude and the thought process of thankfulness now is self-help. Is that only in the world? No, it's not. Uh, I generally don't want to call out names, uh, but Joel Osteen just put out a cube for $39.99 that you can buy and put beside your bed and you can get words of positivity every morning when you wake up uh, and it will change your life. Uh, does that sound familiar? Does that sound any what like what we're looking at here? So this concept, it, what it actually does, it brings us towards an unhealthy health and wealth theology or towards a, a very self-centered, self-powered posture that is far from thanksgiving as revealed in the Bible. And Tim Keller said it well, gratitude is what you feel, but thanksgiving is what you do. And R.C. Sproul said, God doesn't want us to just feel gratitude, but for us to show it by giving thanks to God with our lives. So with that, I want to tell you real quick, my thought process as I, as I started through this, God, if this is off, if you want to change something in me and by extension in us, uh, what, how, how can we do this? How can we move to a point of practicing thanksgiving? And I know when I started, it's like always, it seemed very simplistic, uh, very haphazard, very stilted. I ended up just kind of thanking him for provision. Oh, thank you for my family. Thank you for my home. Thank you for my backyard. Thank you for my smoker. Thank you for my motorcycle. Thank you for, you know, it just kind of felt that way. Uh, and as I began to think and pray and let God speak into my heart, uh, I found that there were actually four areas uh, that, that began to bubble up that helped me in the thought of expanding how I engage in thanksgiving in my prayer life and in my daily walk, walk with the Lord. So what, I'm, what I found was that as I did this, 
God began to show me that one of the primary ways that he was going to change this was through his word, through the Bible. But looking at the Bible kind of through a grid, uh, here at Door of Hope, we, we kind of take everything that we do and we pass it through the grid of what we call four pillars. And it kind of moves us as to how we move and think and breathe. And I found for me four pillars, if you want to call them that, that I could utilize as a grid as, as I was going through the Bible. And those four, those four uh, items were attributes, thanking God for his attributes as revealed, thanking God for his attention, thanking God for his actions, and thanking God for his atonement, for his atoning work. And so as I began to think about that, I found that as I've walked over the last three or four weeks and been thinking on this, I've found that God has begun to speak uh, in the circumstances of my life, uh, in this to begin uh, to mold what, what I've been working through and I wanted to share with you. So we'll start with attributes, the first one. And this is a keynote verse on this is Exodus 34, 6 through 7. If you can, uh, I'll, I'll read it real quick. It's not big, but the Lord passes before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and trans transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the father on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. So the first one, the first attribute uh, that I'm looking at here is actually attributes. The first of the four things is God's attributes. Finding ways to thank him for who he is. Finding ways for him to reveal himself as to who he is. And so I could spend the whole time on this one. But I want to do you this favor. If you've not ever been there, go to the Bible Projects, our good friend over, over at the Bible Project, and they do a podcast every day. Every day. I think it's every day. Uh, I'm, I'm going back forward. But they, they just completed a 15-episode podcast on the character of God. This was their kicking-off point. This verse... As, as they discuss it, is the most widely quoted verse in the Bible. Uh, it is the first time when God expresses to us himself who he is and how he is and what he is. And it runs the gamut from the first uh, two attributes uh, that are shown here of compassionate, uh, being merciful, to being gracious, and then hits the mid-mark with slow to anger to remind us that God is a God of emotion and is a God that does feel sorrow, pain, even, and even anger. Steadfast love and faithful faithfulness. I could spend time on that, but what I'm going to say is go listen to the podcast. They can do it so, so much better and so much more in depth. And, and what I did find out by doing this is that God 
is extremely complex. Uh, and the revelation that I have of him three weeks ago is not the revelation I sense today from looking through this grid of attributes. The second that I had is the attribute or the lens of attention. And this came to me really uh, out of two things. We got a new dog. We have a puppy. It is a one and a half pound uh, nine-week-old Habapu. Uh, you'd have to look it up. To see. It looks like a little Ewok. It's about this big. And I'm reminded, our last dog we lost back in, in, the, in the spring right before COVID, uh, we'd had her 14 years. We're reminded of what life with a puppy is like. And all of our attention is on it, on her. Her name is Molly May. She kind of understands what pee pads are for. Kinda. Cheryl does a good job of interpreting signals and corralling in her and getting her there. But again, Cheryl's attention never wavers. I mean, it's like 24-7. The dog is in a pen beside her as she sleeps. If it whimpers, she puts her finger there and it, there's the... And, if it needs out, she gets it out. She puts it down. I play with it. I let it chew on my fingers until I realize that's a bad habit. I'm not supposed to let them do that. But the attention in our family just came down laser focused. Another thing that happened over the last three weeks is Seth and Anna Mercer had a new baby, had a little boy named Soren. I remember our two kids. I've just recently, over the last eight years, watched grandkids come through and am reminded of how laser-focused we are on babies when they come. And as I began to think about that and look at the way God is portrayed as focusing attention on us, uh, the first thing I saw is God, he focuses from the womb. I've got several things here. I've got notes if you wanted more, but I don't have the time to go through all of them. But Psalms 22, 9 through 10, yet ye are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breast. On you I was cast from birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. His focus on us from birth has been as laser as our focus on Molly May as Seth and Annas is on Soren, more so even. God focuses on little things, I found out. Luke 12, 6 through 7, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? You've heard this. And not one of them is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs of your very head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than these sparrows. God sees the minute he cares about the minute. He cares about, mine's going. It's falling off the back. I, one time somebody said, that's the definition of a mullet. Is your hair, it, it's not that you gain more hair. You just, it falls backwards and it just grows out the bottom. So I, I realize God, even though that's happening, 
He knows about every hair and cares according to his word. God's unwavering focus, he never, ever turns away. He never stops. Isaiah 49, 16, Behold, I have engraved you on the palm of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Think about engraving, tattooing on the palm of your hand. Would you ever, in the concept of life, would you ever not see that? Would you ever? Is there a better example of how God never moves away? It's unwavering in what He does. And then finally, I had a I had a mental uh, picture come up. Uh, how many of you have ever seen the, the watchmaker picture that shows a watchmaker looking through a lens at a watch? And it actually comes from, uh, eight, from an 1802, a uh, guy born in 1802 named William Paley, a theologian. That picture flowed out of that. He was a contemporary of Darwin. He was a naturalist that thought that the complexity of nature reveals a creator in his attributes. In other words, he said anything this, this uh, minute and this complex could not come about without a creator. That was his concept. But I thought as I was looking at this focus of God, I thought of God focused on not only me, as a watch, his attention not just being unwavered on me, but on me as a part of a body. A part, you know, a watch is, a complex watch is made up of hundreds, if not thousands of little, little working parts. And in my mind, I thought about the church, about the body of his unwavering attention on us. And then Next, I really thought about actions, and I can't spend a lot of, lot of time with this, but Michael Yusuf had some words that uh, really resonated with me. God wants to see prayers that are filled with genuine praise and thanksgiving for what he has done in the past. He wants our hearts to be filled with awe and gratitude for his blessings. He wants to set up memorials in our hearts, testifying to the provisions he has given us. Exodus 15, 11 says, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? And Psalms 45 says, You have multiplied, O Lord, my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. None can compare to you. I will proclaim and tell them, yet they are more than can be told. This idea of God's action in our life. He is an action-filled God. He is not passive. Uh, we see it in Scripture, but I was reminded that we best see it at work in our lives in the rearview mirror. That's one thing about getting older is that uh, you have more rearview mirror. But looking back over the past lifetime that I have, and looking at the markers where I saw God specifically at work in the life of me, my family, my church body, my friends, my enemies, but seeing the activity of God while looking backwards is phenomenal. So I would encourage you in this, in this work at thought of practice 
Look back. Look at, look at how God uh, has moved. And then the fourth atonement. Have you noticed? I actually got all of these to come out with A's. I can't believe that actually that worked out. But atonement, ultimately for us, again, here at, at Door of Hope, uh, we cannot think about God and thankfulness without thinking about His atoning work. Uh, it's our first pillar here at Door of Hope. We preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Jesus is the way, He's the truth and the life. And so we preach Him and Him crucified. For it is through the paradox of the cross that we discover the way to God, the truth of who He is and the life that only He can give. The gospel is the center of Christianity and the cross is the center of the gospel. The Bible Project puts it this way. We believe the Bible is a unified story that leads to Jesus. I think I just put up Leviticus going all the way back for the life of the flesh is in the blood and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for yourselves for it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. This concept that we need a redeemer, all of us, all humanity, and the fact that God provided that is our best point to jump off, to enter into robust thanksgiving with God, for God, for what he's done. Colossians 3, just real quickly, we're about out of time, but Colossians 3, 15 through 17 talks about thanksgiving in community. If you haven't looked at this, this lately, just real quick, let me read it. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with, thanksgive, with thanks, thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is a very robust picture of life in the body and how we're to how we are to worship together and in, in the midst of this is a constant hammering of thanksgiving not as just as individuals but as a body. I think I'm thankful that I go to a church that kind of gets that. Uh, that's one of the reasons Cheryl and I are, are at Door of Hope is this understanding that God is worthy of our thanksgiving. He's worthy to be praised. And we're to do that in really quality songs that lift up the deep truths of Scripture to the words that are regularly shared from this pulpit. Uh, it feels good to be in a house uh, that, that gets this idea, practicing through community. Practi and finally, practicing in public. There's a um, picture that came up a little earlier that I didn't mention, but it's the painting. Yeah, anybody recognize that painting? Real quick, we're going to finish with this. This is a 1951 painting by Norman Rockwell. Uh, if you're too young to know who this is, this guy was the illustrator uh, for, I forget which magazine, uh, one of the magazines, but his paintings were worldwide uh, understood, known, cared for. This one is entitled Saying Grace. Uh, 
This one sold in 2013 for $46 million, the highest price for any American painting uh, up to that date. Highly revered. And when I thought of Thanksgiving, the first thought I had was, if a picture's a thousand words, let's get a picture of people around a Thanksgiving table. But I felt God clearly speaking to my heart, this picture. And why? When I look at this, what do you see? I'm going to tell you what I see. But I look at this, and I see in public, in a public venue, a restaurant, it appears. I see a grandmother and her grandson saying grace before they eat. And then I see multiple characters. I see this guy. This is me down in the bottom with the cigar. Uh, I'm, I, and I'm checking it out. And I've got a couple of uh, young guys. One looks a little more sketchy than the other. One has the cig cigarette hanging out of his, but they are intent looking in, looking in at what is going on. And God impressed on my heart through this that one of the things that we miss out most and it's changed in my life and it's probably changed in yours is practicing thanksgiving in public how often now if you're in public i know it's been eight months but if you are in public eating how often do you give thanks how often do you bow your head and thank god for the provision of that food how many of you have moved like me to sometimes feeling like that feels, you know, feels like I'm trying to, somebody's going to think I'm, they're going to check my motives. Is that real? Are you just, are you just being, are you just doing that? But at the end of the day, when I look at this picture, what I see is the reaction of the people around, and they are interested. They are curious because thanksgiving to God brings curiosity from the public because they don't necessarily understand that. In the early days of Door of Hope, how, uh, so many of you were here, a lot of you weren't. Door of Hope was kind of known for guys and gals running around with their Bibles, hanging out down at Alberta Press, reading their Bibles, talking together, uh, going into all the different stores around uh, the annex and engaging people in talking about God. We've lost a little bit of that. Josh has talked about that recently. It's just different when I'm carrying my Bible around. So out of this, this idea of practicing in community, practicing in public, uh, but at the end of the day, practicing through a grid. I want to go back to Psalms 105.1. The point, the point is give thanks to the Lord vertically, call upon his name, but the purpose is to make known his deeds among the people. So what I want to encourage you is to do this, uh, for me to do this, so that we can make God's attributes, his attention, his activity, as his atonement known to all people. So with that, let me pray a word with you this morning, and we'll continue in worship. Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for how you've revealed yourself to us. We thank you for your attention. 
Lord, we thank you for the active way that you are engaged in our lives. And Lord, we most especially thank you for the atoning work you did on the cross. We love you. Help us, God. Help us to move uh, into a more robust expression of biblical thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you all stand with us as we close with songs of worship? Let us love and sing in wonder. Let us praise the Savior's name. He has hushed the law's loud thunder. He has quenched Mount Sinai's flame. Oh, 
Let us love the Lord who bought us, pitied us when enemies, called us by His grace and taught us, gave us ears and gave us eyes. He has washed us with His blood. He has washed us with His blood. He has washed us with His blood. He presents our souls to God. And let us wonder grace and justice, join and point to mercy store. When through grace in Christ our trust is, justice smiles and asks no more. He has washed us with his blood. He has washed us with his blood. He has washed us with his blood. He presents our souls to God. saints enthroned on high here they trusted him before us now their praises fill the sky he has washed us with his blood 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 has washed us with his blood he's washed us with his blood he's washed us with his blood he's washed us with his Father 
face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory for this morning together, this time you've given us to sing praises to you, to hear from you, to spend time with you and with each other, learning from the word. Thank you for the word you spoke to us through Russ. And just pray that you will grow within us a greater love and understanding of you. We love you very much. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Have a great Sunday.